Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. We're in our series this morning, No Turning Back, and we're a call to persevere. How many know we need perseverance in this day and time we're living in? Perseverance. Now, the word perseverance, there's some different synonyms for that. It means dedication, determination, endurance, grit, moxie, spunk, stamina, or tenacity. He, in other words, you're not willing to give up. If you've got truth, you're not giving up on it. You're going to hang on to it till the very end. You know, in the, I, a couple of a months ago, I was, went uh, pheasant hunting with Bruce Paquette. And I don't know if anybody's ever gone pheasant hunting, but it, it, we, Bruce has a great bird dog that's been trained by professionals. And uh, th- as we were bird hunting, as we were uh, pheasant hunting, one of the pheasants took off running, and it took off running, and the dog was trying to track it down. The next thing you know, the, the, we couldn't find the pheasant, but the dog kept going back to this one place. We didn't see a pheasant whatsoever, couldn't find anything. We'd walk the dog back around, and she'd always, Penny would always go back to the same spot. And she would go there, and she started, there was a big rock and underneath the rock, and there was a big uh, stump on it, and that dog would just not give up. And next thing you know, the dog's biting at their stump and everything and all the branches pulling stuff away. And finally, Bruce said, well, the, it must be there. And I'm thinking, this dog's going crazy. There's no, you don't see anything. And it just kept digging, digging. And all of a sudden, Bruce pulled the stump away. And sure enough, back under this, uh, behind the stump, behind, under the rock, just a little space like this, there's that pheasant hiding in that, in that thing. And he's able to pull it out. And just show, I mean, that's perseverance. That's tenacity. That's moxie. That, that dog was not giving up until we found that bird. And so that's this what we're going to talk about is having perseverance today. When you know the truth, you know what it says, you're not giving up. What was happening in our, in, our, in our study here in Hebrews chapter, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. The people who had accepted Christ by faith started off so well, but because of persecution, different things happening and hard times hit them, they began to abandon the faith and going back under Judaism and falling back under the law. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 is trying to encourage them to stay the course. Don't give up. Have perseverance and follow through in what you're doing. And so this morning, uh, we're going to jump in here, but we're going to summarize a few, cha- few verses, the first uh, 1 through 18, because it's a lot of repetition that we've already read through. But the, uh, so let's jump in there. The old system of the law was a shadow of the good things to come. We know that. That's verse 1 in Hebrews 8. It says it's just a shadow of the good things to come. We also know that these sacrifices that the people made were set, were, uh, for their sin was a reminder of their sin. It didn't take away their sin, but it reminded them of their sin. Every year, they would have to go on the Day of Atonement and make sacrifices for their sin. And that's, that, it just kept reminding them of their sin. And the priest made the same sacrifice day after day. How would you like to make, have to take sacrifices to the priest day after day? I mean, the animal sacrifice and all, all the things. But see, our, but our high priest gave himself as a sacrifice for sin once and for all times, verses 8 through 11. By his offering, he made perfect ever, forever, forever those who are being made holy. He's made perfect. Why? We're not perfect people, are we? But how many of you have been made perfect in the sight of God because of what Jesus Christ has done? 
You have, been, you have been made holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only access we have to the Father is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember I've been saying the last few weeks, the, the, when God looks at you and I, He looks at us through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees us washed, cleansed, and made whole because of what Jesus Christ did. Not because we're good and we deserved it. It's because of everything that Jesus Christ has done for us. But we also see that in, in uh, verse 17, he has, put, he has put his law in our hearts, and he says, I will never again remember their sin. That's good stuff. God, God says, I want a relationship with them. I'm putting my law in their heart. It's not just going to be in ta- stone tablets, but it's going to be in their heart, and they're going to have a relationship with me, and I will never again remember their sin. See, under the old covenant, what? They, they were reminded every year of their sin, but under the new covenant with Jesus Christ, our sins once and all for all has been removed. Aren't you glad of that this morning? And see, look what he also says in verse 18. He says, when sin has been forgiven, there is no need for sacrifices. When sin has been forgiven, you said here this morning, if you're a child of God, your sins are forgiven. There's no need for you to make a sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice, and he set you free, and he cleansed you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can, st- you can come into the presence of God. And so as we move forward now this morning, we're going to start in verse 19. I just gave you a summary of the first 18 verses. But I, the first thing I want you to under, uh, for all of us to understand is this. God made a way for us to access him. God made a way for us to access him. Look at this. And dear brothers and sisters, we can go boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now think about the people that... The writer of Hebrews is writing to. He's writing to people that have always saw the Holy of Holies. Nobody could go in there but the high priest, and that was once a year. And now the writer of Hebrews is telling them that they can enter into the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. How I many know that's kind of foreign to, the, to these new believers who have practiced Judaism and been under the law all these times? This is something new to them, but he's telling them you have that access to go into the presence of God. Look at verse 20. He says, By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? Remember when he was, when he was died? The curtain ripped in the, in, the, in the temple from top to bottom, signifying and given for us, signifying that once Jesus died, he made a way for you and I to be able to approach God. We could come into the presence of God and we can go right into the most holy place. We don't have to have a priest do that for us, but as a child of God, because of Jesus' blood, I'm covered in his blood, even now, I can go right into his presence. That's good news for all of us. Amen. He said, and since we have a great high priest who rules, rules over God's house, we can go in. Now, this whole thing about approaching God. He's, there's just a couple of things I want us to look at in verse 22. Approaching God. He said, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trust him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed in the pure water. Isn't that great? Now think about what he says. He says, we can approach God, but he says we need to approach him with a sincere heart and fully trusting him. See, church, we can know God today. We don't have to know a God who's far off. God wants a relationship. He, you can really know him. You can, be, you can commune, you can fellowship with him, and you be in his presence and experience the power of God in our lives because of what Jesus Christ done. See, he says, approach with a sincere heart. 
Trust him, uh, 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 go with, uh, approach him with a sincere heart. Look, the, the meaning of this sincere, the word sincere means genuine, honest, meaningful, and without hypocrisy. When you approach God, your heart has to be real. You have to be real before God. And I, and I know this for a fact. When I go before God, I can only go before him with a sincere heart knowing that Jesus Christ has done everything for me. That he's given me access. A true heart involves an attitude of gladness, freedom, and enthusiasm. I mean, I, I look forward at times just be, getting into the presence of God. How about you? And just being there in his presence. See, the true believer knows that Jesus Christ has opened the door into the presence of God. Therefore, because he's opened the door for us, you're thankful, you're joyful, you feel free, you feel at liberty to enter into God's presence. And there's an enthusiasm and excitement about entering his presence. That's because we know that, that we have access we, that to approach God. He says by faith in Christ, he's given us access into the presence of God. How often do you get into the presence of God? How many know you can live? I believe you can live in the presence of God. You don't have to move in and out of the presence of God. You can live in the presence of God because he's given you that, that, that access to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only does he say that we have to we have, to have sincere hearts, he says we have to fully trust him. We have to be willing to fully trust him. We must trust him to fully to trust fully means to, to there's an unqualified assurance in Christ that he is the one person who can who has done everything for me by his death on the cross. He's given me access and I don't doubt that. I don't I don't try to figure it out. I just accept it because it's it's what he did. You say, well, how do you know that? Because that's what he says in the word of God. And I believe the word of God over any emotional thing I ever feel or anything anybody else tries to tell me. If somebody tries to tell me something that is supposedly super spiritual, but it's not lining up with the word of God. You know what? I'm going to go with the word of God every time. I'm going to go with the word of God every time, not what somebody else says. And God's word tells me that I can trust him. I can trust him to keep his promise. See, he says this. He said he, he, he want, it, the people needed to understand that he, they could trust him to keep his promise, not to give up. If you, have a, if you got the promise of God, and what was the promise that the people had? The promise that the people of, of, in Hebrews had was that one day Jesus Christ was coming back. That one day they would be with him. They were looking for a city that's builder maker was God. They weren't looking for this earth. This earth was not their home. How many know as believers, this world right here is not our home. The word of God says we are, we are pilgrims or aliens. We're passing through this land. And as we pass through, we're supposed to make an impression upon the people that of, around us. And that they can see Christ in us and we can witness and we can bring more people into the kingdom of God. But church... We, this is not home. He promised one day that we would be with him. Jesus even said, I've gone away to prepare a place for you and I will come again and you can be with me where I am. Correct? And so that's the promise these people were looking for. They were looking for that, that, new, that new home of theirs. But here at this point in time, though the children of Israel are the people, uh, the Hebrew people who accepted Jesus by faith, all of a sudden, because of persecution, began to turn away from Christ. They began to go back under the law. Now, here's the thing. In America, we have a Western view of God. And some of it's not really good. We, I mean, some of the things we talk, I mean, we talk, oh, I'm so blessed and, and we're, everything's so good. Can I tell you what the Word of God says? It says in the last days, there's going to be perilous times. In the last days, there's going to be difficulty. 
And if you've got a mindset that you're always supposed to be blessed and there's no tribulation or anything, you, you've got a misconception of the gospel. Because if you look back to the early church under, under, after Jesus' death, how many know there was persecution that broke out all over against the church? There's people today in different lands that are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. We have several pastors right now in jail in Iran for, their, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this idea that we, as Christians, we will never have to suffer, we'll never face persecution, that is not true. There's, I believe there's going to come a time in America where there will be some persecution going on. We see more and more of our liberties being taken away all the time. And, there, and it's, it's not just a, this church is not just a bless me club. It's to dig your roots down deep so you'll be able to stand when troubled times come. It's to help you grow down deep because I'm telling you, church, their persecution, I believe, is going to happen before Jesus Christ comes back. And you know what it's going to do is what would happen in America? What would happen in America with most churches? I when I say churches, I mean people, you, all the people who claim to be Christians. What would happen in America if persecution broke out in America today? You know what I believe would happen? There would be a lot of people that would abandon the faith. Because they don't have roots. They don't, they don't have the, the, the foundation to be able to stand. But the word of God does let us know that there will come a time when persecution will come. We've been blessed in America, yes. But you know what? Just because we've been blessed in America, you know what? Doesn't mean that we're going to always be everything good. You know, we, we hear things like, oh, I'm so blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm the head and not the tail. You know, we like to quote those things. And that's all good, and we are spiritually. But you know what? doesn't mean you're not going to have tough times. Jesus said, blessed are you when they speak all manner of evil against you and they persecute you for my sake. I know that's not really good stuff, is it, for American churches. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. If they'd just known what I know today, they would have never had to go through persecution. I've heard people say that. Well, we're so much more advanced than they were in their days. We have, we have deeper insight spiritually. That's not true. That's just pride. That's just pride. So as these people were now trusting God, they had sincere hearts, they're approaching God. And when we think about that, there's some things that we need to understand in these times that we live in. The first one is hold fast to hope. Hold fast to hope. What was our hope? Our hope is Jesus Christ, right? Look what it says in Hebrews 10, 23. He says, let us hold tightly, uh, hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. God's promised us one day he's coming back. Amen? And we can, we can hang on to that. It doesn't matter how difficult things get. It doesn't matter how terrible things might get. My hope is not in this world. It's not in the government. It's in Jesus Christ. And he's coming back one day. And I'm going to stand in that hope. I'm not giving up. I'm going to persevere. And I'm just going to stay tenacious after that. And let God do his work in me and through me. Church, I, I know this is not a, a good thing that people like to hear, that there's going to be difficult times, but there will be. We will not escape it. 
If the early church went through stuff, we're going to go through stuff. It may not ever be as severe as it is in some countries, but church, there's liberties being taken away, and there's things that's, got, that's happening in America today that's, that's putting, a hamp, uh, uh, putting uh, restrictions upon the church. I mean, there's, there's some countries today you can't, you can't talk about certain things without being considered it being hate crimes. I mean, we're seeing it already in different places. But we've got to hold on to our hope no matter what happens. I have a promise from God. You have a promise from God. Amen? And I'm hanging on to that promise. I'm not giving up. But next thing he's, the writer of Hebrews talks about is we need to spur one another on. He said, let us, he's looking at verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How many know we need each other in the church? Amen. We need each other. I realize in this, through this pandemic that we're in right now, the church has been put, uh, uh, scattered all over the place. A lot of people watching online and everything. But there's nothing like being together as the body of Christ. There's nothing like being together. We need to, we need to know, be together that we can be encouraged, that we can be spurred on toward love and good works. Amen. A three-fold three, three, cord is not easily broken. Iron sharpens iron, the Word of God says. We need each other. We need people to push us to say, hey, don't give up. Hang in there. Stay, stay, with the, stay the course. Don't, and because without that, if the enemy can isolate you, he will defeat you. Because look what he goes on to say in the next one. Don't, don't give up meeting together. Look at this. He says in Acts 10.25, he says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What? Don't neglect being together. I know we, we put out a couple of surveys as a church, and I know a lot of people said they, they, they would just assume stay home and watch online and eat breakfast and everything while they're watching. That's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. But I tell you what, it does not take the place of coming together as the body of Christ. When you're not, when, I mean, you're not together, there's something different about that. I mean, I've watched online. I've watched different churches online. And, and I, I, will, I can worship but I can worship anywhere. It doesn't bother me. But, there's, but at home, sometimes you just don't enter in the same way you do when you're in service. That's just a known fact. There's other distractions. Isn't it true? And see, there's something about being together. We don't want to give up on that. We don't want to give up meeting together. He said, especially as the day. You know why we need that? Because when we're going through difficult times, there's that tendency, the human nature, to escape the hurt by going back into the old things. And you need somebody there to say, hey, it's not worth going back. There's nothing over there. You need to hang in there. There's better days coming. There's, there, Christ is coming again. Don't give up on the, your, your faith. Don't give up on trusting God. Don't give up on his promises. Hang in there. And you need people speaking into your life. And that's the reason it's important for us to be together as a church. Now, I'm not blasting anybody who's watching by online today. Just to understand, there's, there's, there's not, it's not the same. It really isn't the same. But like I said, I can worship anywhere. I mean, I've, had, I've gone to churches and people like, I've heard, them, heard people say, oh, their worship, there's something. I just didn't, couldn't get into the presence. I can get in the presence of God anytime. It doesn't, it, it doesn't have to, I don't have to set the mood. I don't have to have Pastor Justin sing a certain song for me to feel the presence of God. 
I feel I can be in the presence of God no matter where I'm at. I, we can live in his presence, as I said earlier. But some people, listen, you, I understand. I, I know some people use the scripture where two or three gathered in my, my midst. There I am with them. So we can have church. That's taken totally out of context because you don't need two or three people to have church. You can have church right by yourself. But we do need each other for other things. Amen. See, that two or three others is all dealing with, with when somebody's, we are talking about restoring somebody and differently. It has, not, has nothing about being church. Because you know what? You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the Spirit of God there. You can worship right in your, in, in your bedroom. You can worship anywhere. You can dr- worship driving down the road in the car. I do that a lot of times. To have worship music on, just being in the presence of God, just worshiping Him. So, but we do need each other. But listen, he, the next thing he says, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. He says this. He says, dear friend, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that will, co- will cover these sins. He says, once you know the truth and all of a sudden now you're going back. Remember in verse, in verse 6 of Hebrews, we, re- uh, we talked about this earlier. These people who had found faith in Jesus Christ, they were living for, by faith in Christ, but now all of a sudden, because of hard times, they're going back under Judaism, thinking through the sacrifices they used to make, they can find forgiveness. And he said, there's no forgiveness there. The only forgiveness we have is through Jesus Christ. That's the only forgiveness. He said, don't deliberately keep going back when you know what the truth is. Don't deliberately keep on sinning when you know what God's word says. There, he said, he said there's, then if you do that, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. Now look what he says in verse 27. There's only terrible expectations of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Whew, that's a strong word, isn't it? I realize we live, we live in a time right now that this is, that we're, we're living under a dispensation of God's grace right now. We really are. This is a time he's pouring out his grace. But you know, one day he's going to come back and there, there's going to be judgment. And the word of God says that you, the only thing, if you turn away and walk away from God, the only thing is left is judgment. Now look at verse 28. For anyone who refuses to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much Worse, the punishment will be for those who trample the Son of God and treat the blood of, of the covenant, which makes us holy as if it were a common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Man, that's a tough statement when you think about it. He says, when, we, when, we turn, when they were turning back under the old covenant, basically they're saying... Jesus was not the Messiah. They were trampling under feet. They were, they said, in other words, they weren't hanging on to the promise, but they were going back away from it. You can't go back. Amen? You can't turn back. Once you know, once you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's no other way of forgiveness. There's no other way except through Jesus Christ. There's not many avenues to God. There's one, and that's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He says, don't, treat, don't trample the, the Son of God underfoot, the blood of Christ underfoot. And he says, and don't treat that the, as the, the holy thing as just common. Jesus paid a valuable price for us, church. Yeah. 
We talked about that last week. Now look at verse 30. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. Now look at verse 31. What is the statement? It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. How many know today's the day you're supposed to fall into his hands? Why? Because this is a time of his grace. But there will be a time when those who have not known, who abandoned Christ, those who have not accepted Christ, will fall into the hands of a God who will judge. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that as a born-again believer. The judgment I, I have to, I'm concerned with is what I've done, whether good or bad, as I serve God. Has it been done for His glory? As a matter of fact, it says it'll all be tested by fire. And only that which is done for His glory will last. Everything else will be consumed. And my reward will be based on what I've done for Him. But my sin, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that judgment. Why? Because I've been forgiven. Amen? You've been forgiven. And you can walk with Christ. Now listen. Don't let your early days be greater than your last days, your later days. Don't allow your early days to be greater than your latter days or your later days. What are we talking about? Look at verse 32. Think back to those days, those early days, when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? How many remember when you first got saved, how zealous you were and how you were ready to go, amen? If somebody said, let's go attack hell with water guns, you'd be the first one on ready to go. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, you were that zealous. You were ready to, just to go. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. Listen, remember back. Remember back when you, you were sold out for God. Remember back when all it was, all you wanted was Jesus Listen, even though the hard times are here today, don't give up. Don't throw your faith away. Let your latter days be better than the days when you first started. There's a lot of people in the kingdom of God. They, they start off well, but they don't finish well. How many of you know it's, it's more important how you finish than how you started? Amen? Now, he says, remember how you remain faithful even though it meant Terrible suffering. Now look at verse 33. He says, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same thing. Oh, yeah, but that's Bible times, Pastor. Uh, that's not going to happen. This is New Covenant. This is the early church. Okay? They were, there was persecution. There was difficulties. And I'm not, I'm not trying to preach gloom and doom because I know there's a greater day coming. But I know you better know who you believe in. You better have your roots dug down really deep. You know, in the early service, I, I just shared this, this story. It, it, you you got to understand. It, trees. How many of there's trees that have deep, deep tap roots? And there's other trees that have shallow roots. And when the storms a lot of times come, you see the trees with shallow roots get torn up and turned over. But a tree that has a deep tap root, most, most of the time you don't see them falling over. They may lose a branch or two, but you know what? They still stand after the storm is done. 
And this is the thing. We've got to have deep roots in the kingdom of God. We've got to have deep roots in who we believe. And your roots have to go deeper and deeper and deeper. That way when things come, you'll be able to stand. When the storm's over, you can stand victorious just like some of these big oak trees do. When you see them just blown all away. Why? They're, they have this root that goes deep into the earth. We've got to have that root that goes deep within the word of God. Amen? And not allow the storms of life to blow us around. He says this, he says, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule. You were beaten and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same thing. He said, listen, you suffer, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all your, you own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there was a better thing waiting you. What was that better thing? It was, it was home. It's heaven. For you, for, waiting for you. Will la- that will last forever. That's our home in heaven. He's coming again, church. See, the early church faced persecution and was faithful. I pray that we will be faithful. Amen? To the very end. To the very end. See, now as they started out being faithful, they were beginning to doubt who Jesus was in, fa- in the face of persecution. There was... If you go back to 1 2 Timothy... Timothy's pastoring the church, and Paul's writing to him. In in, in 2 Timothy, persecution had broken out against the church. Nero was over the Roman Empire. Nero, I don't know if you ever studied him, he was a very evil, evil person. He actually did things that were just how you thought about it. You had to have a, a twisted and warped mind to even think the way he did, the way he tortured believers. But one of the things he they said that he liked to do is he liked to take Christians in, in the garden, in the garden of the, of the palace, and tie them to the to stakes and burn them alive at the stake. And all, and all he wanted to do is he wanted to hear them scream out in pain. That's a sick, demented mind. But here's the thing. They said he would get furious as, because as Christians were being burned at the stake, instead of screaming out in pain, many of them would just start to worship God. And worship him during that time and just go right into the presence of God. I believe because te- Peter says this. He says, when you're persecuted, he said, the spirit of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I believe there's a special dispensation when people are going through persecution where the Holy Spirit does come upon them. And he's able to go through that and just praise God all the way through it without the trouble. Because you know what? Their body might be burned at stake, but that moment they went to heaven to be with the Lord. To be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. That's what the Word of God says. They were ushered into His presence. See, church, some people started strong, was passionate in their faith, and over time they lose their passion and their focus. I pray that you would not lose your passion and focus. That you want more of God than you've ever had of God. You want to become the man or woman of God that just will be able to stand no matter what happens in your life. Are you ready for Christ's return? Are you ready for Christ's return? Because he's coming back. He's coming back. Look what the word of God says. So do not throw away your confidence. Trust in the Lord and remember the great reward it brings you. The great reward is what? Church, what is the great reward it brings us? Home. Amen. That's the ultimate place. He says, patient endurance is what's needed now. It's needed now. 
More than ever in your life and my life, patient endurance is needed now. Don't, get, don't let the things around you mess you up. Keep your focus on God. Allow God to lead you. Allow God to guide you. He said, patient endurance is what's needed now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Amen? He says, for just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones, my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns back. But he says this in the 39th verse. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Are you the faithful one this morning? Are you a faithful one this morning? This is, I've determined years ago, I'm not turning back. I don't care how tough it gets, I'm going to persevere. I don't care how difficult life gets, I'm still going to trust God. I don't care if I, if what, what, if I, if it, something happens in my life, whether it's persecution or even a, a sickness or an illness, I'm still going to trust God. I don't care what I'm going through. My trust is in Him. That's my hope this morning, church. That's our hope. Amen? Thank God for that.